Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talked to Dr. Sharon James, a research fellow and project manager based at Sphere at the School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine at Monash University in Australia. We're going to discuss the paper that she's recently published alongside her colleagues here in the BJGP titled Interconception Care in General Practice. So thanks, Sharon, for joining me here today and navigating the time differences between us to speak. So this is a study about interconception care. Can you tell us firstly a bit about what that means, that term, and what the differences are between interconception care and antenatal care? Yeah, so interconception care isn't a well-understood term. And I guess most literature focuses on things like antenatal care and postpartum care. But interconception care can also be referred to as um, care between pregnancies. And really what people are trying to do is treat what might be a poor pregnancy outcome or even just discuss what somebody's pregnancy outcome was and also address things like lifestyle factors or biomedical risk factors, perhaps interpregnancy intervals, contraception, all those things that we tend to take for granted. Fair enough. And this was a qualitative interview study of Australian GPs to look at their perceptions and knowledge around interconception care. And as you mentioned, it's not necessarily a very well understood term. So you talked to 18 GPs about their experiences, but I wonder what you could tell us about what the GPs you spoke to told you about what they thought interconception care was. Was this something they'd heard about before? No. And as I said, that it's not a well understood term. So, you know, you've got interpregnancy care or internatal care. Those are other terms it could be called. And really the I guess the issue they had was that it's not a defined thing. It, it might be something that people see you for opportunistically. So it might be as part of a postpartum check, uh, but those appointments are pretty full. So you might be talking about more immediate issues like wound care post caesar section or perhaps uh, more immediate things like breastfeeding issues. So it might also be addressed uh, at a point in time when somebody comes back for contraception or they're having trouble with their periods or perhaps as part of their cervical screening. Right. So would that be because you broke the results down into different themes and the second theme was about this opportunistic delivery of interconception care. So would that fit in with these points in time when women might be coming in to talk about their, their general health or reproductive health? Yeah, so that opportunistic care, so there's things uh, really around a contraceptive script or perhaps uh, a lark, a long-acting reversible contraception, about those discussions. And also probably if you're lucky, they might come in and talk about preconception care, but we know that that doesn't always happen. They usually turn up pregnant. Uh, so those opportunities to provide care are few and far between because often what women might do if they do have an appointment is say, oh, my child's got a fever, I prefer you see them instead of me. So you mentioned about this concept of preconception care. I wonder if you could touch on that a little bit as well. Yeah, so 
interconception care is often conceptualised through preconception care, but the I guess the intricacy for this population group, so between pregnancies, is that there are potential risks around age and parity. But also as we get older, we might have uh, risks to do with chronic conditions. So maybe previously they've had gestational diabetes. Well, how are they being followed up? And I guess in the Australian healthcare system, uh, certain healthcare settings might be picking up parts of interconception care. So family planning organisations might be picking up things like contraceptive care or STIs and things like that. And perhaps community health centres might be, uh, so that might be maternal child and health nurses and women's health nurses might be performing some of that care. But then they might see the GP as well. So there's that risk of care fragmentation between services. So that um, creates problems for this particular group as well. We also know that uh, once women have a baby, they might be good at coming back to the doctor for their child, but less likely for themselves. So they may not turn up for preconception care after they've had one child or they're less likely to. And your final theme in this project looked at the challenges that GPs faced around relating to interconception care. What did the GPs tell you about what they're facing in practice? Yeah, so things about time. Uh, So there's potentially a lot of things you could cover in an interconception care consult. And so it might be too that uh, women aren't necessarily engaged in, in interconception care themselves. So the other difficulty for women at this point in time is that they're also juggling things like work and career, caring and family responsibilities. So it's very difficult to get them in as well. And so GPs would say, well, we're having trouble engaging with women at this point in time, but also the time allocation for appointments and potentially also the funding to cover all the things that they need in that space and time, given that I've talked about things like care fragmentation, so trying to get them back in if you can't do an IUD on that day. From what you were describing, you were talking about the women's experience as well. So do you know of any research looking at women's experiences of interconception care or how they value it or or view it? Yes, I do. We're currently doing some research at the moment, but it's unpublished. So I can probably fill you in on that at a later point in time. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to seeing that then. Um, So one thing you touched upon was the fragmentation of care. And as you mentioned, women might be seeing midwives, nurses, or GPs about their postpartum or antenatal care. What do you think, or did the GPs touch upon how the different members of the multidisciplinary team might work together better? Or was that something that came up in the interviews at all? It did, uh, but briefly. So it might be things like, uh, so the GPs, uh, quite a few of them were involved in shared care, which means that they, uh, a woman might see a midwife as well as the GP as part of their antenatal care. So there's good awareness of that aspect of things, but also the role of the maternal child on health nurse um, and being able to have that conversation with a GP. So those nurses in Australia may not, as in most of them aren't, on site with a GP. That would be the only thing. So I guess uh, what we could look to in the future with, would be things around, well, how can we better cater for this busy group of people 
uh, how could we perhaps uh, upskill general practice nurses to provide some of that care? How could we make it more family friendly so we know that women access the general practice for things like that postpartum check? Well, what about those childhood immunisations where people might turn up as well? How could we better cater for this group for those appointments as well Mm. and just make it more family friendly? But also, I guess, engage with that consumer research that we're doing at the moment. Any other key findings from this research that you'd like to highlight at all? Look, I think it's not a defined thing. Interconception care is not a defined thing. And so I think what we need to do is highlight it as this, I guess, suite of care that we can provide for people. But there's no models and current guidelines to how we address this. So I think if we were able to pull that together and I guess conceptualise it in a way that our clinicians can say, hey, this person is within our, of reproductive age, they might have these other risk factors like previous history of gestational diabetes, hypertension, lifestyle risk factors, perhaps um, they've had a previous difficult birth, then how can we better target these people or perhaps just ask them, hey, you're okay, and ask them that one key question that are you considering having a baby in the next 12 months? I think we could better target women in that way and better support their health needs by making a more user-friendly service as well. Mm, so awareness is a big part of it, as you mentioned, just being aware that this is a a time in a woman's reproductive life. Uh, and uh, as you say, just asking the question. Yes, I think so. I, I think at the moment it's delivered opportunistically and that still works as well. Uh, But I think if we're able to provide it uh, in an established way so that it does become a more familiar concept for clinicians, so not just GPs but other clinicians in the the general practice, then I think uh, it would go a long way to better support women in, I guess, their health as well as potentially preparing for another pregnancy. Based on what you know about interconception care and how you view it and this study and the ongoing research with other women, if you were setting up a service providing interconception care, what would that service look like? What would an ideal service look like for women at this point? I guess uh, an ideal service would be something that is multidisciplinary. So we all offer different things in the general practice workplace. Uh, something that uh, would be family friendly, something that coincides with perhaps other appointment needs or family centred needs and potentially consider, well, given this is a difficult stage of life where people are juggling a lot, well, are there different appointment times or is there telehealth that we could do? Not everything has to be face-to-face to meet things like perhaps lifestyle risk coaching or perhaps a follow-up post-contraceptive implant insertion. I think there are ways that we can better engage with women to meet their needs, to make it more consumer-focused. What you're talking about uh, reminds me of other research that's been done around access to cervical screening and also uptake of childhood vaccinations, so making clinic more child-friendly and also adjusting the times to make it more convenient for women. So I think this research is reflecting a lot of what um, other areas of work around women's health are also showing. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, And I think that's a great place to wrap things up. So thank you for meeting with me today to talk about this research. Thank you. 
And thank you all for your time here and for listening to the Speech AGP podcast. And apologies for my croaky voice as we spoke to Sharon quite early in the morning here in the UK. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. If you'd like to hear more about current research in UK and international primary care, please do come and join us at the BJGP Research Conference, which is being held on the 22nd of March in London in 2024. The conference website is bjgp.org forward slash conference. So please do come along for the sessions and to meet the rest of the team. And we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks and bye. Bye.